the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children, with no memory of parents, unseen by society, without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter, or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness, into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda as together we remember the central affirmation, God's story is a story of grace. And again, thank you, Kylie, for singing for us today. We so appreciate it. We, we love to hear Kylie sing, don't we? It's so great that she's been at TCU, able to come back on occasion to sing for us not going to school too far away. And Chloe, uh, who is Caesar's daughter, also sings. Do you know there are schools that are not in Oklahoma? Do you know that? Uh, she's not yet decided in Oklahoma, by the way. Uh, she's still thinking about, there's TCU. You already, okay. There's SMU. There's Baylor. There's even A&M. These are all non-Oklahoma schools. Just let you know that in case you had not paid attention to that. Uh, Okay, yes, yes. There, there's an orange school too, right? I, if you'd give me enough time, I'd eventually got there. Um, anyway, we're moving into a, a, a series talking about grace, continue, continuing a series about grace. Uh, and you saw in images about Rwanda. If you're a guest in our church, you may not know that we had a team go there a few weeks ago. We've had a long-term ministry there called Zoe. We adopt 1,000 orphans at a time over a three-year period and create independence from poverty. It's an amazing, amazing journey. And you saw some of that in those images you saw in the opening video. And we celebrate that in our church and what that means for us as we think about grace in our life, Rwanda and the world, how we connect with that ourselves in a, well, Jesus loves us and we love Jesus' way. So keep that in your mind as I'll tell you another story. It's a funny story to me anyway, but uh, I was... Uh, in the church and sanctuary a few days ago. I came in early, left the lights off. I was just here, kind of a quiet time, time of prayer, focusing. I'll do that on occasion. I was doing it that morning. And as I got ready to leave, the lights came on. And I saw somebody had come in the door or heading to the door, and it was Sandra, our organist or pianist. And Sandra, Sandra's somewhere around here. Sandra's not a very tall person, if you did not know that. But anyway, she's coming in the door, carrying all her stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to say, I'm going to greet her. Now, I'm coming in from the dark. Lights are coming on. She doesn't know I'm there. Open the door, and I just make a relatively loud sound <laughs> in my greeting. And for about a half a second, Sandra was as tall as I am. Because <laughs> that's how high she jumped. And then she made a, a screeching sound, kind of like about the, the third brass uh, horn from the middle there, sound that came out of her mouth. And she didn't throw her book at me, which I probably deserved. And so in a way, she's responding in grace. There it is, the illustration. Because the title of the message today is The Grace Response. Grace calls for a response from those who receive it. 
And you see that in the Rwanda story in a beautiful, beautiful way. I mean, multiple ways we see these kids, their lives changed. In fact, Grace is one of the, the name one of the orphans that we got a chance to see a few years ago at the beginning of the program, and now see her at the end. Not only did she uh, adopt another child herself, having received Grace as her name being Grace, she also has an up-to-date story to tell as of a few weeks ago, and we're going to show you that story from Grace. This is Grace. She lives in Rwanda, where her life began as a nightmare. When Grace was one year old, she lost her entire family. Her mother, father, and nine brothers and sisters were all victims of the genocide. She lived on the street, and her only dream was food for the day. Then Grace met Zoe. Zoe helps orphans in Africa out of poverty. Zoe helped Grace to dream bigger. Zoe taught Grace to farm, gave her three bowls of beans and a plot of land. Look what Grace has done. From three bowls of beans, Grace harvested 30 bowls, then rice, then bananas, chicken, pigs, and goats. And this summer, Grace got a cow. From homeless to homeowner, from orphan girl to adoptive mother, Now Grace is living her dream. Amazing what Grace can do. Grace, and uh, last time when you came to visit me, I was a girl, but nowadays I'm a woman. She's married, she's still working in the group, and uh, the group members are like sisters and their brothers. Before the ministry, she was all alone, she has nobody to care, she was an orphan without somebody. Nowadays, she's happy because she's got the family, because she has got a husband to support, to advise her. She has a dress, she lives with the husband. She has also given a birth of a child, together with an orphan that she adopted called Mushimiye. It's a big family. Yeah, she's proud because she has got the family. She was alone before, and she loves to be with more people. She hopes that the future will be bright. What I can tell other people like me is not to be alone. Please go and join others because when you are together with others, they can help you get out of isolation. Please go and say thank you to my spirit. I am 
You know, I, she just says, ends with saying, I am grace. And not only is that her real name, but she is, personifies grace at work in the world, in her life, the life of this church, our lives. So much to celebrate in that story. You also might have noticed at the beginning uh, on the wall, uh, they were showing pictures of what you, what's called a dream chart. Talked about it some last week. You received one, should have in your bulletin. This is what they received when they began the Zoe Giving Hope program. Simply write down, as children are, uh, where they are. Uh, some can't read and write, so they'll often draw pictures of what they want to show. What I don't like, usually it's hunger, abuse, which has been their experience. What makes me sad, sometimes some of the same things. In her case, uh, her family had been killed in a genocide 20-something years ago. Uh, and so she had that experience, an awful, awful story for her. What I like, what my future, what I want my future to look like. And then guiding principles for that. And they put all that down to kind of help them. And they continue to keep that in front of them every day, you know, for maybe years, certainly through the three-year Giving Hope Zoe Ministry program. You see how it changes them as they focus on a future defined by grace where past had been defined by hardship and disaster and what had been done to them and what they had done. And we see that intervening for them as it does for all those when we come to Christ and experience it in lots of ways. Jesus come into my heart, and those who love me and bless me also as the hand of Christ coming to me. We experience that, and that's how grace is supposed to work. And Jesus taught that over and over again. Now, I had uh, read for you by Dennis a little while ago verses about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, his own experience. The Apostle Paul was a very unique person. We know he may have done more for Christianity than anybody in, in human history and what he did. But he didn't begin that way. Paul's life before the encounter of grace and Christ on the Damascus Road was anything but grace. It was all about he was a Pharisee. It was all about legalism, judgment, self-righteousness, and keeping religious practices and condemning everybody who didn't do it the the way that you did it. That's how Paul lived his life. It's what a Pharisee did and what he did. Hate, condemnation, judgment, and self-righteousness built around legal, around religious and legal practices were what he did. So he's on his way to Damascus, some way, this is from Jerusalem, to go to find the people of the way, which is what Christians were called back in that early time, and there to arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem to be in prison because he wanted to stomp out Christianity. That was his way until he came into contact there on this road with Jesus, who said expressly, why are you persecuting me? He's saying, Jesus, he's saying to Paul, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living the way that you're living? Why are you who you are? You need to change. <laughs> you're telling him all those things by saying, why are you persecuting me? Because when you persecute the least, the last, and the lost, and don't give grace, and when you go judge my people who follow me, that's who you're persecuting. So he makes that very clear to the Apostle Paul. That leads to these words that Paul wrote many years later about himself where he says this, this saying is reliable and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the biggest sinner of all. Now please hear those words of the Apostle Paul. I've already described that he would have said before Christ, if there was a righteous man in all the world, I was him. 
There was a good man, I was him. There was a man who kept the law, I was him. There was a religious man who was the most religious, I was that guy. I was the best Jewish Pharisee that had ever been. He bragged about that. And he said, but hey, I was the chief of sinners. So what has he done by saying that? He's now redefining sin. He's not saying that many things aren't sin, but he's saying now is, here's what the biggest sin is, a failure to offer grace is the biggest thing, because that may be the worst sinner of all. I did everything else right. I was good at everything else. I kept all the other moral and religious laws and practices better than anyone had ever done, probably will ever do. And I was still the chiefest, chiefest sinner of all. I'll say it again. He says now the biggest sin, the worst sin, the most disastrous, devastating, damaging sin, according to the Apostle Paul and Scripture, is a failure to give, to offer to share grace. So think about what that means as we talk about the grace response. There are four things, four teaching points from this I want to share today. A story of grace is completed when grateful living is its response. And that's not just giving grace in a sense of when we see someone has a need, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's more this living life of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. If that is a response to grace. You know, I love that picture there of grace there in the video. She's smiling, holding her baby. The child she kind of adopted some years before is still part of her life. She's married now. She's thanking us. She's celebrating. She's doing, you know, she's responding to grace by how she's living. Still connected with the Zoe family, her friends there. And we see some exciting stories in her a testimony of grace. But a comedian uh, did this kind of bit here a short time ago. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, it's, it, the parts of it were kind of vulgar. Those are all cut out, which sometimes comedians are known for that. Uh, and here's what he said that really struck the tone of so many people that on, that on, uh, uh, on media, social media, millions have actually read this, looked at what he said. Here's the, here's the premise. Everything's amazing right now, but nobody's happy. That's how he begins this. Everybody, everything's amazing and nobody's happy. It's about ingratitude, I think. And here's what he says. In my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. He's probably about my age. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone you had to stand next to. You had to dial it. Do you realize how primitive that was? You were making sparks. And you would actually hate people who had zeros in their number because it was more work. Then if you called and they weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely all by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go to the bank. And it was open for three, like three hours. I think he's exaggerating there. And you stand in line and write a check. Then if you ran out of money, you'd just say, well, I just can't do any more things now. Now we live in an amazing, amazing world. And it's wasted on a generation of spoiled people that don't care. This is what people are like now. They get, got their phone and they go, ugh, it works. It won't work fast enough. Give it a second. It's going to space. Will you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow for you? I was on an airplane and there was a high-speed internet. And I'm sitting on the plane and, he's, and they say, open up your laptop. You can go on the internet. It's fast. It's amazing. And then the thing breaks down. They apologize. The internet's not working. And the guy next to me says, oh, great, this stinks. Like how quickly the world owes him something he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. 
People come back from flights and they tell you their story, and it's a horror story. They'll say, it's the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. Then we got on the plane and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. And I say, oh, really? And what happened next? Did you fly in the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? Everybody on every plane should be constantly screaming, wow, you're flying. You're sitting in a chair in the air. Here's the thing. People say there are delays on flights. Delays, really? New York to California in five hours? used to take 30 years to do that, and a bunch of people died on the way. (laughs) I think it's all in perspective sometimes. I think we might add to this in a more biblical sense, and gratitude is an affront to grace. (laughs) It's an affront to grace. It really is. To, to, To not recognize the grace that God gives that we just have life itself. And the many things that surround this life that you and I celebrate every day. Now, now we'd have a hard time living like grace there in Rwanda uh, to have an outhouse, if you want to call it that, to sleep on a dirt floor, uh, to, to sit on a rock as your best piece of furniture if you have a rock to sit on, and to live on beans and bananas most of the time, your full diet, you very seldom deviate from that diet, you know, there with her baby and her smiles and her happiness and her joy, and they're coming. We want to thank Zoe and giving hope for giving us a life we would never have had without grace. We're talking about grace. story of grace is completed when grateful living, just grateful all the time, is its response. From that place, we can experience God and also share the faith we want to share as Christians all, all want to do. Well, second teaching point, and I tried to, I thought a lot of ways to phrase this. This is really where I lit because this is how I felt. Giving, giving away what was given to us is fun and deeply satisfying. I tried to think of more theological ways to say that, but you know, just, this is the word that came to my mind uh, and, and my own experience with that. Giving away what was given to us is fun and deeply satisfying. God gives us grace, certainly that's where we are. Uh, a while back, someone gave me, about three weeks ago, gave me uh, and, and Rhonda, my wife, a gift card for $50 to Mellow Mushroom. We don't go there very often because it's kind of expensive, you know. We've been, I think we've been there once before. And so we decided to go uh, on an evening night, I mean, a night in the evening at night uh, there last week. And we went in and got, I ordered salad with all the stuff in it that I like. It had, had the nuts and the fruits and I like everything loaded in there with the salad. And I enjoyed that. I think Rhonda had the, the mushroom soup, which is really good there. Uh, and then we had both had small pizzas that we ate, I think. Did you have a pizza? I know I had a pizza. Anchovies, by the way, on my pizza. Uh, and we had the pizza. We were really, really good. And when it came time to pay with a gift card, young man who'd been waiting on us, not very good because he'd been very busy, had a large room there full of other people that he was really consumed by. He couldn't help it. I understood that. We understood that. So our water hadn't been filled but the first time so because he was busy. But when it came time to pay the bill, uh, I said basically, very simply, uh, I said the bill was like about $38.50. That's about a $12 tip. And so I said, somebody gave us that money. I'm just going to give that, that part to you. $12. And so he, he shook my hand like this. His tattooed arm went up and down like this, shaking my hand. And on the way out, our friends who were there with us said, he was emotional. He was shedding tears because you gave him that, you gave him that money. And, and the words were simply, I've just given him what somebody gave me. 
And it felt pretty good to do that. I had no emotional attachment to that money. I had no emotional attachment to any of it. You know, it wasn't mine anyway. I'm just giving away what somebody had given me. I'll say it again. There was no emotional attachment to that at all. It was so easy and fun. We're worried to give that extra away. And you know, that's true about everything we have. And sometimes we have emotional attachments to stuff we shouldn't have emotional attachments to because it doesn't belong to us. It was given to us by God's act of grace in multiple ways it comes to us. And so we're simply giving away what he gave to us. And that's fun to do because it connects us not only with, not only with the person we're given to, it connects us with the one who gave it to us. In that case, someone in our church had given that to me. He was part of that story just as much as he, if he was there. And God's a part of all our acts of giving grace. The next teaching point. It's important to remember who the story of grace is really about. Grace always begins with God. Always, always, always begins with God. No matter what the framework of it is, it begins with God. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he created us. And then he said, I'm making man and woman in my own image. I'm putting within them their ability to be like me if they choose. They can love if they choose. They can give if they choose. They can sacrifice if they choose. They can know where they get what they've got from and what to do with it. They'll be able to figure that out as we do as Christians. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're even told why we exist. God made us, shaped us, formed us to live and do good, to live in grace, to understand what love and, and, and mercy really is and what it is to avoid sin, and that is to offer grace to others in multiple ways that we do that. There are many ways grace is offered. That's teaching point number two. Teaching, teaching point number three is simply sharing the saved life that God has generously given us with others. Romans 6.23 says this. It says, work, you work hard, for, work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. So what do we center our life in? Again, if, if Paul was correct, if the Bible's correct there, that the worst sin is a failing to give grace, then sinning is failing to give grace, and the pension you have for that is death. That's what he said. But those who give grace, who offer life that way, hey, God's gift is real life, eternal life, life all the time through Jesus Christ, our master. Hear those words. Uh, Christmases are special for us for many reasons. I know the traditional reasons that we enjoy Christmas, and my family does that, the giving up gifts in the family. Uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service, I love that when that season comes for us and our church family. Uh, we share in the family times and the decorations and all those things. We do it all. There's also something very unique that happens every year and has been happening for years. Someone in our church who every year comes and gives me a check to give away. It's a pretty good-sized check. So here it is. You give it away, and I'll say, well, do you want me to give it to? We don't care, just give it away. There's somebody who needs it. Doesn't matter who it is. Uh, do you want me to tell you who I gave it to? We don't even want to know who it is. It's all anonymous. Just here it is. 
you give it away. And so we'll sit down and I'll talk to a few other people sometime. We'll pray about it, talk about it, look at what might be around us. And, and somewhere in there, start making decisions. We hope God leaves a decision about who's going to receive those gifts. And so we go out there. My wife and I, Rhonda, sometimes helps me do that. And we'll take the check by or we'll mail that check with a note explaining it as best we can. Uh, and we offer that. And that is such an enjoyable time uh, to share that. And, and it's, again, it's not, not even mine. It's just it's somebody else's. I'm just the, kind of the, the mediator for it, you know, which is how grace always works. Because our life exists because God gives us grace and mercy. The idea is that the life we have is a gift of a generous God. The saving of one's soul is a gift of a generous God. The giving of one's life back to God is an act of faith and accepting God's authority and love and mercy in our own lives in that partnership. And Jesus calls that shining as lights in the world we live in, putting that, that lamp on the, on the stand to be able to be seen. That's what the Bible says about grace. And so what we're doing is experiencing God in our hearts and lives and sharing that with other people. We're being who God designed us to be. Uh, we're living in a way where we're free to love, not attached to things that don't matter, but instead doing things that do matter. And there in that, enjoying life day by day because God and grace are synonymous. A story of grace. Our response to grace. Grace's images that we saw of a young girl now married with a child, adopted another child in her life, how, how much that's been changed for her. At least sharing that life. You know, one of the things that, that I took years to understand myself was that I, I, I wanted to do good. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be a good pastor, preacher, what we're supposed to be. Uh, and it, somebody just, I was often dis disappointed because I couldn't give everything that I wanted to give or, do everything, or be everything I wanted to be. Then I realized it's not my task to give who I wish I was away or who I used to be, simply who I am. When I realized that, it changed how I was able to offer grace in ways but unique to me. Because, well, I can do that, but I can't do this. I'm this, but I'm not that. And that's all I was asked to do. And so to give that kind of grace away. So those simple truths, I want to remind you again what they were. We started with the, the, the video of, of, of Grace and her story and her smiles and that, that truth. Uh, we talked about what the Apostle Paul said about himself. And he's saying the worst sin is a failure to give grace. That's clearly what he's saying to us. Doesn't mean that other things aren't sins as well. They are. But that's the biggest sin, not to give grace. And because he received it on the Damascus Road, God gave this sinner who was after Christians his grace. He said, man, that's what he did. And so Romans, book of Romans, book of Galatians, simply are books writing about the grace he received and how we're to give it away as well. So grace is about living a grateful, a grateful life in response. That I, I, want to, I need to be thankful for how God's blessed me. However small those blessings are, however big they are, it doesn't make any difference. It's God's gift to you and me. Giving away what was given to us is fun and deeply satisfying. And what do we have that wasn't given to us? Nothing. All has been given by God. Everything we have is a gift of God. We see it that way. We lose the emotional attachment, and our attachment is only to God and those we serve and love. It changes life dramatically to experience grace that way. It's important to remember who the story of grace is really about. It's always about Jesus. It's always about the God who created us, saved us, is in our world, working in our lives, in the world, in the church, in your family, my family, and in Rwanda. Uh, there with a young girl sitting in front of a mud brick house. Simply sharing the saved life God has generously given us with others. 
I have a saved life, and I'm going to share with others as best I can. Not who I wish I was, not who I used to be, just who I am. Story of grace. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace you give us today anew, for meeting us here with your mercy and love once again, touching our hearts, God, with good news, and washing us of the past and pointing us to a new future. And God, you know our dream sheet we have in our life, what has made us sad, the things that we don't like, the things we do like and want, the future we want to see and grab hold of, and God, the principles that you offer us, we surely want to follow as followers of Jesus Christ. May that be our future as we accept the story of grace that makes the future happen. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.